Welcome to this episode of the Brighter Web Podcast. Insights on growing a small business using the latest technology and marketing best practices. I'm Robert Carnes, and here is my co-host, Mickey Mellon. Hey, good to see you, Robert. Excited to dig into this episode about finding and tracking new clients uh, for your business. This should be a good one to, to dig into. This is something I spend a lot of time doing, so this will be fun to talk through. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. So we're going to find a couple different elements of how to both, like we said, find and then track new clients for your business, uh, beginning with finding. And one of the top kind of ways to get uh, new clients for any business is referral sources, is people saying, hey, these people do what you need. Why don't you, they're good friends of mine. Why don't you check them out? So how do you find and then encourage referral sources, people to send uh, clients your way? So finding is a little trickier. Uh, we'll get into some specific tactics for that a little bit later in the episode. Really, it's about doing good work and treating people right and making your existing clients want to tell other people about you. And then, like you said, appreciating referral sources, especially if they're not clients. If there's people we know that happen to refer folks over, we want to do things to make them appreciate so they'll hopefully do it again in the future. And really, two things we do there. One is to refer folks back when we can. We know a lot of people in the community that do similar work to us, and they refer people to us if we're a better fit. And we try to refer folks back if they're a better fit. It's good for them, and it's good for the potential client, too, though. It makes us look good that we're not saying, we can do everything, even if it's not a good fit, we'll take you. We say, no, here's what's best for you, is to go see this other person instead, and it's it's a win-win-win all the way around. It's, it's excellent. And then we use a product um, called Thanks, without the A, T-H-N-K-S, uh, to send little gifts and surprises and, and just thanks and appreciation to people that refer clients to us. Thanks is neat in that it sends physical objects. It mm -hmm. could be coffee sets or chocolates or you know whatever it is, but all you need is an email address. So the client, the referral receives an email saying, hey, Greenmail sent you this gift, and then they type in their, their address and get it all shipped to them. So it makes it super easy for us to send, but something they actually get is a tangible, real, hopefully memorable, <laughs> memorable gift. So. Yeah, so like you said, doing good work, actually being a service that people will want to tell people yeah, that's about. The, that's the key. If you don't have that, we can just stop. But yeah. Right, right. And then and treating people right. Like right. networking with people and giving them little, little encouragement and incentives as they send you clients. That's a great way to encourage referral sources. So as I, I just slipped, uh, Freudian slip and said the, the next thing, which is networking, <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, that's, that's the next big piece of actually finding good clients. And so I do a good bit of networking. Well, traditionally I have the last two years, not as much, but with local business associations, with professional groups, we have the AMA here in town, we have the you know, Chamber of Commerce, everyone has that thing, and then other conferences too. And we've been big in the WordCamp community over the years, but there's other marketing conferences we go to, and we love to go to those kinds of things. And Again, we've done them online for the last couple of years, but in that you still get the content, but you lose pretty much all the networking and the, the quote hallway track where you meet people and stuff. Right. What's been interesting to me though is with all these, I've met you know hundreds of people and they've, they've been great. I stay connected with them, but almost all the work we've gotten from it has been referrals from them. So like when I meet folks at the chamber, we've done work for some chamber folks. We've done a lot of work for chamber folks' friends because they'll get to know us, yes. know what we do, and then say, oh, these folks at Green Mellon, I, I just met, but they should be able to help you. And we've done a lot of work that way. Right. So when we said the word networking, which we've said a few times now, some of the listeners may have just cringed, right? Because Correct. networking can be a dirty word, especially during a pandemic. But even before that, people don't like to necessarily go to trade shows and all that stuff. So what would you say to the person who doesn't like networking or maybe doesn't think they have enough time to do it properly? I think in that case, just focus on conferences then. Go to a conference to learn and networking will be just a side benefit of it. The person you sit next to in the session, you'll get to know them and see what they do. And that's another collection to add to your LinkedIn and someone you might keep up with over the years. So 
networking events like chambers of commerce and stuff, they have things you can go and learn from, but they generally go and swap your business cards. And hopefully over time you build some relationships, but I agree, it can be icky at times. But if you go to a WordCamp or just some show that you're going to enjoy and listen to the content, you're going to learn stuff, which is the main reason you go. But then as a side benefit, you're networking while you're there and that helps too. Yeah, I say that almost a little bit for my own sake because that falls into my thing. I, I do a fair bit of networking myself, but I'm yeah. very introverted and don't love talking to people. So like you said, <laughs> going to conferences where you can learn things and focus on that benefit and usually get a little bit of referrals and all that sort of thing as a, almost a side benefit. Exactly, and I would say out of all those, we've probably gotten more business back to us from the conferences where we've gone to learn versus the quote networking events. So sure. it works out better all the way around. I just like the networking events because it's a different group of people. I like to meet a wider variety of people. And I've bought things from people at networking events too. I've met some great plumbers and you know, just random folks <laughs> there, but you meet good people, it benefits everyone. So. It's true. So we've talked about referral sources, we've talked about networking. The next one is SEO in your business's website. So SEO, search engine optimization, getting your site to rank well in Google can be a great thing. Uh, increasingly difficult to do, but it's letting your website work for you. It's letting it be your, your salesperson 24 seven. And we'll talk a bit about that with content. I think that drives it for the most part, but it's a passive thing and can be, can be a good way just to bring in a few more leads. Like you just mentioned, the first two we talked about are a lot more active. You're reaching out to individual people intentionally. With your website, it's a lot more passive. You're almost just putting a net out there in the right place, hopefully, and, and catching some people as they come along. But some businesses, if you put a, a contact form on your website and, and hope the right people show up, some, some people may not be getting the right people, right? They may be getting those sure. form fills, but it's spam or it's businesses that just don't fit with their, their right skill set. So what would you say if, if your business is getting leads through your website, but it's just not the right people? Well, you said spam first, and so I think that's a separate piece, and there's sure. spam prevention you can do, and there's some spam you just have to accept. I've always said the more, more you do to stop spam is gonna make it more difficult for legit people. So we can just allow a little more spam just to make it easier for the legit people. Right. You're really talking more about people that find you and say, ooh, I want their service and eh, they're maybe not the right fit. Right. So I see two things that can help with that. One is to tighten up your messaging. So when they come to the site, they should say, ooh, that is just about me or, huh, that doesn't sound like the problem I need help with. So the better your messaging, the better you can be. And that goes back to the, the trade shows and stuff too. If you have a solid message and you can say, hey, here's what we do, here's the problem we solve, you're more likely for a person to say, oh, I have a friend that needs that problem. The other thing you do with your website to help curb the, the wrong people reaching out is to ask some more difficult questions on your contact form. So sure. our main contact form is fairly loose, but then we have most clients fill out a second form that's a little bit longer and ask some pretty tough questions. And if they're not willing to take the time to fill out those questions, we're talking 10 minutes maybe to fill it out, which is long for a form, but sure. very, very small in terms of engagement. And one of them is like minimum budget. That can be one where they can, it's just a drop down. They don't have to even choose a number necessarily, but if they see the range say, huh, I only had $200 for a website. Maybe this isn't the best fit and that's fine. It's, it's maybe not and there's places you can go instead. So. Yeah, it lets them self filter out sometimes. Exactly, if they can self filter, that's better for everyone. Exactly, you know? so that leads in well to the fourth piece of finding the right clients which is adding good content to your website or, or even other marketing channels. And this applies back to all those channels. Start with SEO, adding more content through blogging and speaking and podcasting and just getting more content on your site is more opportunities to show up in search. Uh, you have social and email and those sorts of things. They tend to be a little more promotional than inbound, but can help all tie together into your marketing funnel. And so right. really everyone should have a marketing funnel to some degree where they're you know, finding a lot of leads out there and slowly whittling down to get the right people. That's a good fit for, for both parties, so. And that's obviously one of the big things we do here at Green Melon. One of our core values is educating people about digital marketing. That's the reason we have this podcast, obviously. And sometimes a side benefit, 
is developing yeah. thought leadership about digital marketing and, and some people may want to reach out about our services. That's again, not the goal of why we have these marketing content platforms, but it can help to show potential clients that we know what we're talking about to establish credibility and, and potentially become future clients. Yes, well said. So the second half of this, we've talked about finding the right clients. The second half is tracking those clients, is keeping up with them, how many potential clients we have, how to follow up with the right ones. So the first piece that you want to mention here is forecasting that potential revenue. How much are those potential clients worth to us? We teased this a little bit last episode, but this is something we spend a lot of time on is just yeah, figuring out what our potential future revenue looks like. And so part of it is to figure out what the value of a potential client could be. To even begin to weigh, you got to figure out what that looks like. And that's difficult enough. And really for us, it falls into two buckets. It's one, hey, they're interested in maybe building a big website. So that's just a dollar figure we can put down. That's pretty easy. Finding the numbers, a guessing game. And I don't try to get too precise here, but just put a number down. Or if it's someone, hey, they may come now start spending $100 a month with us if they sign. So, okay, I usually give it a year's value. So it's okay, that lead then is worth $1,200. Mm-hmm. Again, that likely be around longer than a year, but at least gives us just a place to start. Again, I don't want to get too granular trying to figure out these numbers. I spend a lot of time fine-tuning these numbers that can't be fine-tuned until you get further anyhow. Um, and then in our system, we also track the odds of a win and track that metric. So for example, if we had a client that if we're going to build a website, it was going to be $10,000. And after the call, my business partner, Allie, and I talk and say, that one felt pretty good. We have an 80% chance of winning. So 80% chance of 10,000 is a weighed value of $8,000. And we look at that going out, weigh all of our leads. And we have software that does that for us to some degree that we do the, the weighing, but it does all the math. So we don't have to do that. We'll talk about those in a minute too. But we look at that number too. So we can look ahead and say, okay, in the coming months, we have opportunities that add up to say $100,000 and weighed, it's 62,000. So okay, is that better than normal? Is it worse than normal? And just kind of have an idea of what that potential revenue looks like coming in. There are different business philosophies and sciences behind estimating the customer lifetime (laughs) value, but some of it's going to be a little bit of guesswork because it's predicting the future, right? There's no perfect way to get that, but it it helps to get a sense of how much potential revenue you have in your pipeline. Right. And again, in our case, it never just adds up. We don't say, oh, we're going to probably win 62,000 and next month we get 62,000. Like it's never, never even close because some of those will go into future months. So for us, we just compare that metric, not to what we got, but to what that metric was last month and the month before. Like, hey, a month ago, we thought we were going to bring in 62,000. Now it looks like only 28 in the next month. That's lower than we normally are. So maybe we need to drum up more business or it was 62,000. Now next month looks like 190. If we get all that, that's going to be more work than our team can handle. So let's kind of stretch it out or dig deeper. Just give us metrics to compare to ourselves to to see where we're heading. Well, if you actually hope to win some of that business and get some of those new clients, you actually have to follow up with them and actually have to, you know, poke (laughs) them on the shoulder and say, hey, remember us? We can can help you out. So what are some of the best ways for you to actually follow up with what you call interested leads? So an interested lead is the first important part. We don't do any cold emails. We None of us, no one likes cold emails. And so I don't want to be the person that does something that no one likes. So an interested lead in our world is someone that's reached out and specifically said, hey, I'm interested in your services. Let's talk. And that doesn't mean they're going to respond to every email though, too. So we got to make sure we, we stay in touch with them. So I try to find ways to follow up with without being obnoxious, which I'm not obnoxious. I don't think that's the problem. But I, I also don't like following up saying, hey, just checking in to see if you want to buy like we talked about, because that doesn't do much good either. So a few things we do. If I meet someone at a conference or somewhere that's not necessarily interested, again, I'm not going to send a cold email, email pitching them, but I'll add them on LinkedIn and hopefully they'll see our content and perhaps become interested. 
But for those that are interested that we've talked to before and then they've disappeared, I try to reach back out with, with some value, some reason to follow up saying, hey, we've thought more about your project and here's an idea we had for it and here's an article we saw that ties to your business and just keep the conversation going. And yeah. sometimes those conversations take three emails, sometimes they take 22 and that's just, it's okay. As long as you have a system to keep track of that stuff and can reach out periodically, it can work. Well, as somebody who probably gets 15 cold emails every single day yes. yeah. Uh, gosh, you can very easily get lost in the white noise with that. So actually having a warm connection with somebody, a potential relationship, even if it's just, hey, we met at this conference, that gives you a much closer in to, to winning them as a client rather than just trying to go with blasting people with obnoxious emails. Oh, for sure. We all, we all hate that, so we don't do that. <laughs> exactly. So in order to continue to follow up, in order to actually weigh all these potential clients, it really helps to have some digital tools. Uh, we talk a lot about the best, our favorite tools on this podcast. So what are the best kind of tools uh, that you would recommend when it comes to tracking and weighing leads? Yeah, so there's a lot of them out there. HubSpot's probably one of the most popular. They have, they're an expensive platform, and they have a free CRM tool for this. I don't quite like the way it handles some aspects of it, but it's a powerful system. It's free. It's, it's worth checking out. If it's one you use, more power to you. For a while, we were using Notion for that. And Notion, if you're not familiar, is kind of a build any database you want platform. And we built a cool one there. If you reach out, we actually have a free template for that if you want to use it there. And it worked pretty well. Notion is great. It's, you know, Notion is cheap. It's 10 bucks a month or something. And then adding any of these tools is free to it. Recently, though, we switched to PipeDrive, which is a little more expensive, but still it's like 33 bucks a month per user or something like that for the middle tier. And it just does a good job of yeah, keeping all the things in place. You can set reminders. I want to reach back out to Robert on X date. You can put in the weight amounts. You can run reports and just see all that without too much extra work. It does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. So. And as we say, for any of these tools, the right one is the one that you're going to use. The right one yes. is the one that's going to help you save time. They may have all the fancy bells and whistles, but unless you're actually going to spend time in it and actually track the leads that's the one that's right for, for your business. Right, and I say pipe drive and those do a lot of the work for you, and they do, but I'm still in it every day, finessing the numbers and reaching out to folks, and it takes a lot of care and feeding, even if it's all automated, as it were, it's never automated. So I'm gonna say, okay, had a call with that client, didn't go as well as I hoped, so I'm gonna reduce their odds from 80% to 60%, or had a call with this client, and they actually want all these other things, so instead of $10,000 lead, it's now a $25,000 lead. And I reached out to Robert today and hadn't heard back yet, so I'm gonna make a note in pipe drive to reach out in two weeks and so a lot, a lot of little care and feeding but if you do it right it's 10 minutes a day of stuff and, and you're okay so. absolutely this is all the business development things it takes time but it's the that's the effort that it's going to take to really grow and keep your business uh, moving steadily yep, on for sure so thank you so much if you have been for listening to this episode uh, of the brighter web podcast brought to you by green melon a digital marketing agency to help you and your business keep up with the latest digital marketing trends Check us out at greenmelon.com. You can also find show notes and more episodes at abrighterweb.com.